Hey everybody, welcome back. We are super excited to start season number two of Melanated Faith. And so much has happened since the last time we talked. So Catherine, how are you? Let's catch up. I know. I've. It has been a really long time. I mean, we've talked since the last time we recorded, but um, yeah, I'm good. I'm moving, which is stressful and chaotic. A lot has happened, but one good thing that did happen while we were on a break is the podcast became one of the top 100 Apple podcasts on society and culture. So that was pretty cool. Um, you got always got to look for the silver lining. <laughs> um, so, yes. you know, we've had a lot of dark clouds. So silver lining was you guys have ma- made us one of the top 100 podcasts on Apple. Um, so tell me how you're doing. So I am doing well. It's been a very like and I say well and I also and well encompasses like, you know, there's been some highlights in this pandemic, some low mo- moments in the pandemic space. Um, but overall, I would say well. And um, in some ways, living under this current administration can be triggering, but I have found that family, friends, people who are just wonderful have been like such a highlight, I think, um, in this season. So I don't take those relationships for granted. So all in all, doing well. I'm actually in my brother's closet right now. So I'm just going to go ahead and give a disclaimer. If you hear a little person banging on a door or saying my name, it's my niece or nephew. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you got to find I think that's been the one thing is like finding authentic joy in a moment of like chaos where things are. I think just I think all of us are feeling like a little bit of sadness and are grieving things that have been lost, you know, trips that we were supposed to take. I mean, I was supposed to go to Germany in June. That didn't happen. Um, and so there's like this tinge of grief on things I think just personally beyond like what's going on in the larger society and culture which you're right is triggering I highly recommend social media news breaks I take one I try to do one day a week where I just unplug read a book maybe talk to a friend something that does not involve you know because we're home more and I feel like you could just watch the news all day and like that is not mm-hmm. um healthy either but yeah one of the good things has been finding ways to socially distance with friends and like um one of my friends has a great backyard so we've been having socially distanced dinners in her yard um which brings me to today's topic um today we're doing part one of a two-part conversation on friendship um we are today going to talk about friendship through the lens of one of faith and i's absolute favorite shows insecure but first i thought we could do something fun before we got into the super serious stuff and talk about our favorite celebrity friendship and why um my favorite friendship is beyonce and solange i realize that they're also sisters but they're also best friends and i think the thing that i like love about their friendship is they're so different i mean they have some similarities like the creativity level is just off the charts like both of the women are so gifted but they are so different in a lot of ways and the way that they cheerlead for each other and bring like joy um to one another it reminds me a lot of my sister and i's relationship and how we support each other even though we're different um and that we've had like you know just normal struggles i don't think it's a given that because you have a sister she's also your best friend so i will also say that disclaimer so i feel super blessed that my sister is my best friend so i love beyonce of course (laughs) but i love her relationship with solange i also love her relationship with kelly um and i know that you know kelly gave an interview recently where she talked about having to work through being in beyonce's shadow but just like that i mean i think we're going to get into this like kind of later about sort of the ebbs and flows of friendship but um yeah i love the those women 
What about you? Okay, so I am going to say my favorite celebrity friendship is Lovey and Yvonne. I love their friendship because, first of all, they have the Jesus and Joloff podcast, which is funny and engaging, but also just the way they cheer one another on. They have so much fun. Like, that is totally my personality. And so I love watching it and other people and just seeing it played out. Just seeing how they they have kind of walked through these, like, seasons of of life together publicly like in the pieces that they've chosen to um, show online it's just been really cool to see so I really like their friendship and um, and okay so we're gonna talk about Insecure so Insecure for those of you who do not know I love this show Catherine loves this show we've talked about it like a little bit before I think in one of our go off um, um segments but Essentially, this is a show that's created by Issa Rae, and in the show, um, Issa D is basically a young millennial um, trying to navigate the professional and personal life in LA, and she has her best friend Molly by her side, and so it talks about their everyday life young single dating and just trying to figure things out like nobody has anything figured out and they kind of are walking through that looks like for black people and it's really engaging and a show that you can really relate to because there's so many things that they go through that i'm like wow like i can like you see yourself on um in them and what they're going through yeah i really like that it's like kind of a fun show i mean even when there's high stress situations um it is mainly about just like regular black people living like regular lives and you know there's not always like this larger lesson although i will say this season i think by far this last season i think this was the fifth season um to me is the best has been the best of this season so far um in the show and i think one of the big things I like learned or realized this this season um, is I always thought the show was more about Issa and like her professional life, her dating life, who she was. Um, but what I realized this season is really it's about Issa and Molly's friendship and their lives, both where their lives intertwine and then where they're different. Um, but really, the central as much as the show is about dating and they they both have separate you know dating lives and relationships with. Um, boyfriends and not boyfriends um, but the, the really the central relationship the anchor is their friendship um and so i don't know like i guess that had just never occurred to me i don't know maybe you have realized that before but i thought this season made it really clear that this really is about these two black women navigating life together and what that means mm-hmm yeah, I think it's a lot about that. A lot about their friendship. Um, I This season was also um, my favorite. I kind of feel like it kind of starts with, like, the first and the last season are kind of, like, my favorite. Sometimes, like, in the middle, it was kind of a struggle for me. Um, but I think what the show highlights is the beauty and the layers of friendship, but then also the, the ways that it's changed over time, which I think that, like, this season kind of got to, like, that piece where it changes over time. Like, this is the over time piece where, like, there's transitions happening um, because they had also, like, in the show, you have Tiffany, and she's, like, walking through her pregnancy. She's married. Like, so you have the other dynamics of friends in their friend group, and I think that a lot of people can relate to that, you know, when you have... A whole set of a friend group some are married some are single some are in serious relationships and some of the tensions that come with like everybody kind of changing and not everybody's in the same place at the same time and so um 
it's just really interesting to kind of see. Um, but what did you think about this season and kind of like what happened with their friendship? Because it it kind of like took a sour turn this season. Yeah, I would say one thing, the other thing I love about Insecure is like fans of Insecure are super invested. Like over the course of last season, I had multiple hours plus long conversations with my sister with another friend who's like an avid watcher where we would like dissect and be like well what would you have done in this situation and actually my sister and i got in an argument about molly and isa's big fight because my sister was like extremely team isa and i was like well i think molly has some points is making some points too i see molly's side of the argument so essentially this season these oh my gosh your sister and i were on the so, same side <laughs> i know i was like i'm the only <laughs> team molly but then what i realized i told her is that people see a lot of themselves in molly and you can see in molly the thing you don't like about yourself and so it's you the problematic because like i had one friend that was like oh i wouldn't do that and i was like really girl i can give you at least five times you have exhibited (laughs) molly like behavior (laughs) but i still love you um but essentially this season what happens is molly and Issa have a huge falling out and for for like half the season they don't really interact they stop talking to each other so we like see more so the first half of the season we're seeing more of like what kind of led up to this big blowout fight and then the second half of the season is more of like them living their lives separately because they're not talking to each other anymore um and i what i thought the whole season was is there were lots of little things in the lead up to their big blowout fight where there were misunderstandings um and they made attempts to try to get together to talk about those things and they just never did and so it to me it just was like this slow build and it just reminded me of like friendships of like when something hurts your feelings, right? I think there's a certain level of, like, gut check of, like, is this really a big deal? Is this not a big deal? But if you're, like, still upset about something, like, a day or two later, like, you really should talk to your friend in that moment and not let it keep building because I felt like their big fight was about, and they said this, it was about so much more, um, you know, and I think it was about, to me, at its core was they both were changing in their lives. Like, Issa has been sort of a has sort of been the screw-up professionally for the first couple of seasons where she just has kind of been all over the place. And Molly has always been, even though Molly is, like, you know, really together when it comes to her job and career, she's been kind of the screw-up relationally. And this season, we see Molly in her first significant relationship where she's still making mistakes, but she's really trying not to be her normal Molly self in this relationship. It is her first serious long-term relationship. And Issa keeps like in little subtle ways reminding her of her past failures in relationships. Um, And then vice versa, like with Issa, this is like the first time she's doing something career-wise that she feels really fulfilled, she's really gifted at. And Molly keeps in little subtle ways reminding her of her old professional screw-up self and they just keep getting frustrated with each other and rather than recognizing my friend has changed or saying hey you said this thing and it really upset me or hey I see you making this mistake and it's upsetting me they just didn't talk about it and then it blows up at the worst possible moment and you know they almost come to blows and then they stop talking to each other Um, and I don't want to spoil how the season ends but it just was like I felt like it was a reminder to me um, how, yeah, how difficult it is to, like, grow up with friends, like, friends over long periods of time, like, that it's 
likely that you're going to be in some sort of argument or have disagreement. Uh, you know, nobody, as Faith says, agrees 100% of the time. But then it's like, how do you develop the skills to work through those conflicts? And so I guess in seeing how they sort of go their separate ways and don't talk to each other, have you had a similar experience where you've lost a friend? And yeah, how did that go? What did you learn? I have definitely had experiences where I've lost a friend. Um, I would say, like, there's, like, two distinct, like, situations, I think, that have happened. I think in one of them, it was probably more of, like, a seasonal friendship and not, like, a long term. But in that season, it was, like, you know, we were always hanging out, always doing things with each other. And I think what where it came to a head is that the expectations of friendship were different um I was shifting in a place of like having a lot going on in my life and what this one person wanted from me I was just not able to give and so I you know was pulling back and they wanted more from me and so for me it was just really difficult because it was like hey like I just I don't have that like I don't have that to give what you're wanting of me and um and so in that respect it just created some tension and it kind of just fell apart. And eventually we kind of, you know, talked and tried to patch it up, but really like nothing, you know, came from that. And I was okay with it because I understand that first of all, and I've said this to people like over the years, like we, maybe we're going to be friends for a season or, or maybe not, but also I'm human and I'm bound to disappoint you. Like, um, I am going to mess up. I'm going to say something. You might say something like, and, and there might be a miscommunication between us, but I know that I'm going to disappoint you because I'm a human being and I am not perfect. And so now I think I've had friends that like could stand the test of time, you know, of us disappointing one another. And you just kind of know those friends that are in it with you for the long haul. Um, and then some people who are really just there for like a season of your life. And it's great and it's beautiful during that season, but they're not um, a friend that you're going to like carry forward with long term. And so in the friendships that this happened with, it's just we've grown apart and we're living different lives and that's just the way that it is like in the moment of course it's painful and frustrating and like you know you're sad about it but I mean maybe this is also like the Enneagram like eight in me because when it happens I'm just kind of like I'm sad but then I just like I just have to move on like I can't like keep my head like in this place of like trying to figure out how to fix it fix it fix it because some things aren't supposed to be fixed some things really are for a, a, a season and a time and you just kind of have to enjoy it and then let it go if that's just not the direction because it takes two people to make a friendship work and you have to want it to work in that way so I think that's my thoughts. yeah I think that's so true I can think of like two examples where I had a friendship where like explicitly I ended it and even now I mean this was like in my early 20s and this like particular friend um, I felt it, it kind of reminds me of the Molly Issa situation if it just was like it just felt like we were kind of on a loop of uh, of her making the same sort of mistakes and then kind of coming and like dumping and then wanting to be affirmed and the things that she had said or done that were wrong like she was wrong and so um, and then that kind of being twisted into like well you're not being supportive and it's like I do want to support you but I'm not going to support wrong like I'm not going to support wrong and us having sort of like a big and it was kind of awkward because it was like a larger there were like a big group of us and sort of when we had this falling out she and I had this falling out and I basically was like I don't want to I 
I can't keep doing this with you. Um, I felt really bad. And I told her, I'm like, I, this is my personal decision. This is not about like our group. And if everybody else still wants to hang out with you and like whatever, like I'm not trying to force people to choose like, you know, and if we are together as a group, like I'm fine to be cordial. I just like, I cannot be this emotional support. I can't play this role for you anymore. Um, and the thing that always is challenging with that when you're in, like, a big group of things, and we see this in Insecure with, like, Tiffany and Kelly kind of get dragged into it, too, is how do you keep it between just those? So then it became this, like, messier thing because our other friends, I don't think they felt like they had to choose for a long time. They were still friends with both of us. But she had a pattern of behavior and... You know, when other friends started to get fed up, it was always, well, this is why Catherine doesn't want to be friends with you. And I just was like, okay, you know, like, you don't have to bring me into it. You can talk about it. Yeah, leave me out. Leave me out of it. Y'all have your own process. You can talk about your own, your own thing. But, like, that was really hard. And I think even at, like, 37, I think I still needed to have, I I, I don't regret having the conversation with her. I think I would have, have said things differently. And I, I don't know that, like, um, I would have been as harsh about, like, we just don't need to be friends. Um, and I will say, even the thing about, like, growing apart, sometimes that can be really hard, too. Like, I won't lie. Like, even as an eight, where I recognize that's, like, a part of life, like, I definitely have had friendships with women that I want to maintain that friendship. But, like, logistically, it doesn't ever work, if that makes sense. Like, I just don't... Mm-hmm. Like, our lives are just moving further and further apart. And it's, like, I will periodically, like, see something on Instagram. And it's, like, man, I miss her, like, in a, like, message or text or whatever. And, like, always, I don't know if this happens to you, but it does happen to me quite a bit. Where it's, like, oh, we need to get together. And then, like, we never, a plan never comes together. So there is a sadness about that. Especially for people that are, like, were really important in a season of life. Um but yeah, I think it is easier to say, like, just the reality of, like, okay, this is not, like, some friends are just friends for a season. Um, but it doesn't make it less painful. It is awkward when one of you really, really wants to hang on and the other person has kind of made peace with, like, our lives just are not fitting right now. Because it's like, uh, I do want to be friends with you, but the reality is, like, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. so, that can be awkward. But yeah, I, it's, I, losing friendships is really hard and I think particularly like a single people living away from your family your friends do become like family and so sometimes like yeah. losing a friendship it is kind of like a death um and it is worth yeah, it is. and so um yeah I don't know it's it was really hard to watch Issa and Molly go through that this season because it's like they are so important they had been friends since college and like have walked through so much of life together um and so this idea that they weren't speaking was really hard yes it's hard to watch too because like you know i there's like a little um i had like a little crew of friends um after college that i had made and we were all single and uh, you know everybody was just hanging out but the fact of the matter is is i've moved a lot and a lot of my friends are in houston or texas or or elsewhere and just your friendships just change so much now granted there's some like really great core friends and we still communicate quite a bit. I love keeping up with my friends. It's just something that I've always liked to do. And so those that I can, that I'm really close to, we talk often. Um, and that's just, I think just been a part of 
just who I am, trying to keep up with people, making sure I'm talking to them, setting dates. And my close friends, we don't even set dates. We just call each other. Like, call, FaceTime, whatever. If you don't answer, it's fine. We'll call, I'll call you back. You'll call me back. Like, it's just kind of, like, one of those, like, things. Um, but those friendships that were really significant in certain, like, stages of my life, and now those people are either married or they're in serious relationships, like... I don't think we talk enough about that, like the death of some of the dynamic of your friends when they're single and then when they go into serious relationship um, or marriage mode. And so it's there's transitions there. I'll say the transition is a lot easier when you don't live in the same place because it's fine. You don't see them anyway. Um, but when you spend in-person time with that person all the time and then that switch happens it's definitely it's not a death but it's a it's an adjustment and I think that's what you see in in Issa and Molly because it's like they're trying to maintain what they had pre another person in their lives where they had to like figure out how to navigate and also like you're best friend kind of has to like they're still your confidant but you're also like trying to transition into having somebody else be your best friend and confidant if you're in a relationship and so that's like a very tough like line that you kind of have to like deal with and navigate so it is like a death of sort to what once was which is why you have to kind of like figure out how to transition into like what it, it what it could look like you know which is an adjustment so but like to that what are some things um that you're looking for like when you look at your friendships like what are some key things that are important to you i think the biggest thing that i the people that i'm like really close with that if something happens i know i could call them are people that will be a hundred percent honest to me like i can think of multiple occasions where i have said something or done something and have had friends say you know what you're not being truthful or like um you're wrong in the situation and let me tell you why and i think it's it could be also too because i'm an eight and i i like to challenge people so i appreciate people who challenge me um and so i would say i like that's a big thing for me is like i i i don't mind it i actually enjoy being called out um i like people that are direct in their communication um i also i really value like honesty and i also really one of my big things that i value is like because i'm like an introvert friends that i can hang out with and not do anything like we could just be yes. in the house watching a tv show not watching a tv show i like I don't know, like, I, my best friend, one of my really best, have longest best friends lives in Boston, and a couple of years ago, I went to visit her for my birthday, and, like, they planned, like, a special, like, dinner where we went out, um, her and her husband and her kids, we all went out to this, like, really nice restaurant, but for the most part on that trip, like, she didn't, like, we didn't go, like, we went shopping a couple times, but it was mainly, like, just us hanging out in their house and just, like, chatting. Um, and granted, I had been to Boston enough, so, like, I had seen a lot of the touristy stuff, so she didn't feel like, oh, you know, if I had said I wanted to go and do something, she would have. But, I mean, I just really valued that time of, like, rest. Um, and so I just, I appreciate friends that, like, you know, we don't have to go out. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to go to dinner. Like, we can just, like, sit around and do nothing. Um, those would probably be my key things. And uh, relatedly, I think also, too, because I'm an introvert, um, friends that, like, don't get offended if I don't call them 
like with any and we can just kind of pick back up as if you know we we talk every day because i think i have a lot especially my friends that we don't live in the same city anymore um that when we do talk it's like yeah like no time or like if we were in the same city i don't like friends that are like really needy and need a lot of attention i think that's really hard for that's really hard for me um but yeah those would probably be the big things what about you um for sure top of the list is i can't do i'm not a big needy friend person um and i think yeah it's just not my personality like type um to have needy friends and i think I, I too like friends where you can just pick up where you left off. My friends and I, I think like what I love about the friends that I have is like friends where we mutually understand one another, like what, how each other functions and the differences. Um, and we each try to like meet each other where we're at and like nobody forces anybody to be anybody other than who they are. Um, we wrestle with topics together. We talk about all kind of different things. We disagree (laughs) we like go back and forth at times like we have thoughtful conversation um there's a group of us from houston and like we'll all get together and we'll talk about all kind of different things and we have a myriad of different opinions and thought and we will sometimes either go head to head and toe to toe and disagree about certain different things um but like we still love each other and we're friends like kind of like you and i were just talking right like we have a myriad of different thoughts and beliefs on things we don't agree on everything and um but i think it's like but for me i think it's healthy to have those like um conversations and to put those things on the table it also doesn't bother me like i know there's people who are like you have to agree with me on everything or else and i think that is so unhealthy and it's putting yourself in the silos and hearing voices and everybody that's like you that just does not make any sense to me and so i feel like we have lost the art of interacting with people who might not agree with us and nobody's going to agree with you 100%. So it's very silly and closed-minded to me to think that you're going to encounter that or even find that. And so um, my friends and I, I appreciate the ones that challenge me, make me think, call me on the carpet. I want to be called out. Like those close friendships, like call me out if I'm doing something or saying something. I'm not opposed to that. Um also the friends that just like see me like I one of my close friends we were roommates we went head to head when we first became friends like we will tell you to this day like we are so close now but when we first met she got on my last nerves we got on each other's nerves we did not understand one another and like over time we just had to grow to understand each other and like now to this day either her um or for me like if I needed something she'd be on a plane tomorrow same for her like I would be on a plane tomorrow the instant she said she needed something um And she's been, like, the most supportive, understanding who I am, has sent me countless meals and food from, um, from San Antonio to, like, using Uber Eats and Grubhub, whatever, like, to send me food for lunch. Like, I know these months have been overwhelming for you. I know you're probably not eating. I'm sending you food. And her and my other friend have done that for me. And it's just been, like, people who see you and know you and and love you and it's amazing when you have people in your life like that you know so I just those are things that I look for in friendships and I also like to show up for my friends I also never like to I don't want my friends to think that they can't come to me if they need something or that I'm ever too busy for them like I might be in the middle of a crazy hectic season but I'm gonna find time and um 
I think that's just so important to have that with people and people that genuinely love you you could surround yourself with yes men you could surround yourself with people who all think like you who you know have have all the same little things but at the end of the day is that the most healthy for you are these people going to like challenge you to go further are they going to really believe in you are they going to push you to be your best self like those are the things that I want in a friend and if that's not happening then I don't know if it's really like a mutually beneficial relationship for me to be in yeah I think one of the things that you said about being like known or whatever I think that's really key to friendship and I'll just say like again like as an introvert it can be really hard um because like I'm the type of person that I have these are my friends like I like my counselor we were talking about this once of like I have a dynamic where it's like I have 10 really close friends and we go deep and we like know each other and it can be hard because I like want to really manage these 10 relationships and like other people I'll meet um you know and like feel like oh we have like a friendship connection and like we should be friends but it's like all right now I'm like full like (laughs) the friendship tank is full and so (laughs) it's been just interesting like learning to navigate that that relationship because I think to me it is really important to to be known and I would say that for anybody like you maybe you have friends like obviously not everybody you come in contact with or you're the same level of friends but I do think it's really important to have friends, like Faith said, that are just, like, you are fully known, who they've seen sort of the ugly side of you. They don't always get this, like, pretty picture um, and would know that you're struggling and to send food or, like, I don't know, like, I've had friends, like, Venmo me, like, money to, like, go to the movies, which I'm not going to the movies, or get coffee or whatever, like, ice cream or something um, during this season. And it's just, I don't know, it just is, like, nice to be cared for without having to be asked. Um, But it's because, like, you know me so well. Like, you know, like, in normal circumstances, these are the things I'd like to do, like, when I'm stressed. Like, go to the movies or, like, go have coffee or or something like that. Um, So, yeah, I agree with that being fully known. Um, Why do you think friendships between Black women are so important to the dynamic of insecurities? Like, everybody is African-American. In the first two seasons... um, Issa has a pretty good friend um, at work who's um, white. Um, And we're probably going to talk about this in part two of friendship as sort of interracial friendships. Um, But, like, there's a little bit of a different dynamic between her friend... What was her name? I can't think of it. Um, Between her friend and for Molly. And so I guess, yeah, what do you think is different or unique or, like, why is important, like, black female friendships are important? Yeah, I think, you know, when I was younger and I lived in Dallas there, I had mostly black girlfriends and then I moved to Houston and things kind of shifted and I had a myriad of different kind of friends, but I had a lot more white friends and I did black friends as far as women goes, like not guys, but women. And then when I got to college ish, it's kind of like when I also met some more black friends and um, which was this really small school, there's not a lot of black girls. So we kind of like came together, (laughs) um, the small group of us. And then from there, I think I, I really created a, a world, if you will, of like strong friendships with black women. That was just something that I really needed. And I think I needed it because I needed to feel seen and known in a way that my white friends just could not offer that to me. And it wasn't until I think as I continue to grow, like grow and and get older that I realized like how, you know, valuable like 
this this was to me because I I didn't have to explain myself. And it gets exhausting explaining yourself after a while or why you feel the way that you feel. And it doesn't mean that your white friends aren't trying to understand or meet you where you are. I think all of those things are great. But it is so incredible when you don't even have to explain. It's just understood. And I think that has... um those friendships have been so life-giving for me and have really been like a saving grace for me, especially during seasons like this, because I do not have to make any disclaimers. I can just speak freely and um, I don't have to put any commas behind what I'm saying. I can, it can just be, this is how I'm feeling, period. And it's understood and it's not, and you're not, you're not judged. It's like you, you're coming from like a very similar vantage point. And so I think that if you've grown up in a lot of white spaces and you, you know, and you haven't had a rich friendship with other black people, you know, you need to find that because it's so special. And um, I also feel like I've had a very unique journey with friendships because I lived in Houston and there's so much diversity. So I've also had a diverse group of friends, which has um, really enriched my life in a way that if I didn't, if I hadn't experienced you know, what I've experienced in friendship, I might have a different perspective. Um, but black female friendships, I mean, they're everything. And I can't, I can't do this work of justice without having them for real. Yeah. No, I think that's so true. I think, I think that there's like a shorthand that it exists or like a language. And it reminds me, I think we talked a little bit about this at the end of last season, maybe in the bonus episode when we talked about Breonna Taylor, about how oftentimes in the conversation, black women, because of misogyny and patri patriarchy and then racism are just over, like overlooked. Right. But like an, a, a, another black woman, you never have that dynamic. Right. Usually. Well, I won't say always because, you know, sometimes all not everybody is the same. Sometimes it can feel like there's a competition. Only one of us can be successful. Um, but I will say for the most part, there's this kind of thing that like if nobody else is going to take care of you, another black woman is going to take care of you. Like another black woman yeah. is going to see you. And I just love the like shorthand that kind of exists of like, OK, polka dots. If you're like wearing a cute polka dot dress and it's like that you didn't really say anything, but I know what you were saying. You were saying this dress, I look awesome in it, you know, and so that yes. kind of thing. And I think even like, you know, and it's like so funny that like uh, some of my best friends from law school, we have like a group chat and we have a we're in a variety of different like some of us are married some of us are single like one of our friends made partner this year so like even professionally there's a lot of different differences um but like I love those women and like even when we disagree it's like there's just like more space for that it's sometimes because you don't like in our conversations I don't feel like I have to represent all black people so it's like I can just think about this from my perspective and my perspective is this you know and so like not having to sometimes sometimes it can be like okay like I this is what I want to say but I also have to be cognizant or I have to give a disclaimer and say okay this is how I feel this is my experience but this might not be true for every black person um and so, yeah, I love that shorthand. Even just, like, having conversations about hair. Like, how do you do this with your hair? Mm -hmm. Like, is, you know, different women have walked through, like, natural hair journeys or, like, you know, needing to, like, get new wardrobes or, like, where do you shop? I don't know. And then it's, like, knowing that when I say where do you shop for jeans? Like, you're going to give me places that have jeans for women with curves, right? Like, you're not going to recommend, like, seven jeans or something that it's, like, for someone with, like, a very 
straight um, body type, which is fine. Like God has made us all in different sizes. But the fact that black women tend to be curvier, I can ask you for clothing recommendations and know that I'm not going to get on some website and just be really frustrated that I'm not going to find anything that fits me. And so I would say that's a lot of a lot of I think why they're so important. And it just is like nice sometimes, especially I think in justice work where sometimes it can feel like you're being gaslighted. And so to have someone else who's like, no, sis, that was sideways. He came at you crazy. <laughs> like, you know, and just yes. like, just like have a second pair of eyes to be like, eh, no, that's not. Yeah, you're right. That did happen wrong or whatever. And I have a lot of close um, white friends. I grew up in a pretty diverse suburb um, and had friends. My dad used to call us the United Nations, which I think as an adult is quasi offensive. I don't know. <laughs> But, <laughs> and, and I think it's great. And I think this is why we're going to talk about this, hopefully, and then in part two of the friendship, because there is there is so much beauty. So please don't hear us say, like, okay, you, like, you just need to have this one kind of friend, because that's not even true in our own lives, where we only have one type of friend. Um, but I do think that there's something special, um, and that sometimes is, like, unique about um, just having a, a, a black, other black women around you to affirm, to, like hug you to see sort of when you're putting on that strong black woman and like call that out and say like you sis you do not have to be strong if you want to cry like I have a friend that does this to me all the time when I'm trying to talk to her about something and not cry because eights hate showing their sensitive side um and like not cry like just talk about something like very matter of fact and lawyerly like she always will be like if you want to cry you need to cry and like I'm like what I'm, I'm trying to give you the facts like there's I'm not why do you think I cry about this but it's like because she like sees me in a and like deeply in a way that it's like okay I can tell that you're trying to put up a front and be very logical about this but what really needs to happen first is you need to cry and then we can move to like how do we problem solve this this thing so mm -hmm. I don't know it's just that's such a blessing I'm 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 glad for all of my friends um and I feel especially grateful for the black women in my life who have um lifted me when I have felt really down yeah, I love that. And I think like um I think there's just like so much beauty in that that we like get to reflect on. Um and I think that's why we it's encouraging to have these conversations. You know, I think for me like I look at when I look at friendships, I always kind of not like as a mile marker, but as just like a reality, like, OK, we're clearly becoming better friends if we disagree and we like <laughs> walk out on the other side of it yeah. and we're cool to me. Like that's like kind of like the sign that you're really growing in your friendship to when you can be like, yeah, OK, whatever. Like we had this moment, we talked about it and we're done as an as an eight. That's very classic um, for me, like just to, OK, I can just like say what it is. We're good. Fine, fine. And then, like, I'm moving on. Like, I'm not staying there. Like, it's what's said is said, and we're moving forward. That's just more, like, of my personality. Um, and so I just think that that's always, like, a sign of, like, you're growing, growing closer with somebody when you can have honest conversation and have moments of tension but still um, push through and still see your friendship to the other side um, of those discussions. So what are some things that you think are, like, keys to lasting, long-lasting friendships that stand the test of time. So I, 
will say two things. And the the one, you're being an eight, I think that, I wonder if that's true for other eights. If you listen to the podcast and you're an eight, and this is also a marker of when you know you're going to be friends with someone a long time, please let us know. Because mine too is like, if we can get in an argument and then talk through it and like move on, and it's like, okay, you're someone, we're going to be friends for a long time. Um, and like one of my best friends, we went on a trip together and it was totally my fault. I had been traveling like nonstop for work. And unlike Faith, when I'm a long, away from home for two long I just start to get it, it just starts to fray me and um but we had planned a vacation literally right at the end of like a long stretch of work travel and so by the time that we're traveling together I just wasn't interested in like doing stuff together doing really anything at all like I just wanted to be in the Airbnb and like sleep and read a book but then the other thing I would say is that's really important to me um, I think for long lasting friendships is I, I, I would say someone who is going to work at the friendship, if that makes sense. So like even as yeah. we grow through seasons, like one of my best friends, actually two of my really good friends are married and have kids, um, but that they are intentional about reaching out and checking on me as much as I check on them. And I think sometimes that can be hard when your friends get married because then it becomes, it feels like you're the one that's always constantly saying, hey, can we hang out? Hey, how are you? How are the kids? You know, and like a lot of your conversation can revolve around that. Um, but I would mm-hmm. say like two of my best friends that we have been friends for long, long periods of time is because um, I definitely have had friends, close friends get married and the dynamic changed and our friendship changed and we've grown apart. But I would say these two women in particular, what has kept our friendship going is that I feel like it is still a two way street that they still are very much like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. How are you? you know like let's go have breakfast let's go have coffee and so i would say those are the things it's just like friends that like make time for you that it doesn't feel mm-hmm. two-sided if you can travel together and then if you can get in an argument for me and get over it uh i think to me are keys to long-lasting friendship what about you um so for sure the yeah if you can disagree and and pre- p- power through i would also say um I would say friends that you all are, like, intentional about learning each other. I think because I'm a social worker and, like, understanding people's personalities and, like, how they tick, like, what like what goes on, I think, in their, in their brains, I think that, um, I think that means a lot to me. So, like, I really want to understand a person so I know how to approach them, how to, um, recognize maybe like why they're responding a certain way in conflict that might be different than the way I'm responding. Uh, And so like if we have a mutual kind of like understanding of one another and really like somebody wanting to know me be beyond the surface level, that means a lot to me. And um, I would say for sure, like the component of honesty is like a really big one because I think that true friendships you are committed to being honest with one another and that goes beyond like moments where you might be upset or or where you might disagree and so I think that if you can have honesty and accountability and and tough talks with somebody like those are some of the keys to a lasting friendship I would also say yes I do love traveling with my friends too that's a huge thing for me I know if we're going to be friends if we can travel together um, and then I know friends that we probably shouldn't just travel together and it's just not gonna, it's just not gonna work. Like it's, um, 
it might save our friendships by not traveling together. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think, but in general, I like traveling with friends because I think it enhances and like you get to know each other faster in a way because you learn how each other um how each other works and how you are about things. And so, but then also you have like memories and those memories kind of can always like connect and bond you in a way if you like um, closer, if you didn't have those things. So I think those are also really key things. So I would say those are my top ones. Um, For you, like, what would you say in terms of, um, I'm trying to think. Yeah. I think those are my main ones. Would Are those all your top yeah, ones too? Yeah, I was going to say the one thing I was going to add to something you said. I do think it matters. Uh, and maybe this is more for part two of the conversation. But I think this matters. Actually, I think this applies across friendships. Um, sort of the whole humble listener or like empathy of like listening to your friend and like letting them um, be who they fully are without insisting they just be a version of you. Um, I will say for my sister and I's relationship... Um, I think what has made us best, what took us from just being sisters to best friends is I think me realizing she is not a mini version of me. And like, we do not have to do and respond to things the same way. And like learning who she is and letting her sort of respond how she like wants to respond or she works through conflict differently. And I think sometimes with an eight, and this is one of the things I really, I think, later like one of the questions we were going to talk through is like one of the things we have to be better at as being a friend but as an eight i feel like sometimes i just want to be like this is the thing you need to do and like if you don't do this thing like i don't even know why we're talking about this (laughs) and like feeling like so my sister is like a nine and so like that just is not gonna work for her personality type like she's Mm -hmm. not gonna like to be like this is your one option and you have to do it right now like that's just not gonna work for her personality type and so i think us learning each other and i think us learning i think me learning that about her and her learning when i'm offering advice I'm not saying this is the only way to do that, or I'm not asking you to do things the way I do them. I'm just offering suggestions. And so I think you have to be open to that. I think that's one, a key to long lasting friendships is yeah. Like a sort of a humble, like, I want to just know you. I don't want you to be this sort of thing for me, or I don't, you know, want, I want to just like know you. I want to see you flourish and be the fullest version of yourself. And so I think that to me is another key of is as friendships that you keep learning about each other and keep growing and um, finding ways to support one another. Um, So we kind of already talked about this. I think, you know, we both are eights, so we're not conflict averse. Um, But I know other people are, and I have friends definitely that are are conflict averse. Um, And so I try to keep in mind when I, I, we're in conflict that um, people, not everyone feels the same way about conflict as I do. So one of the things I try to do is I try to be extra slow to speak because I just process really fast and I can just, you know, I can dominate. What does my sister say? I can hammer. <laughs> so I try to be extra slow to speak when there's like conflict. But I was wondering for you, how do you work through conflict when you have a conflict with your friends? I try to listen and hear what they're trying to say. And also, I sometimes like it also takes me time to process. So I'll hear it and I'll say like I'll speak something, but like I'm still really chewing on it. Um, And I won't say a whole, whole lot because like I need to just like sit with my thoughts. Um, And so sometimes like I'll I'll revisit it if it's worth revisiting. Um, 
But usually, like, I just try to listen and hear what has to, you know, hear what the other person is saying. I'll say what I need to say. And then um, if I feel like we need to talk more, I will. If not, then, you know, we'll just take it and, you know, you squash it and and then you just kind of move forward. And so, but for me, a big part of dealing with conflict is understanding the other person. Because if you can understand the other person, like you'll understand their perspective a little bit more and you'll be less inclined to take what they're saying offensively. And you'll be more inclined to say like, okay, like what is like, what are they trying to say? And what am I hearing them say? And then like, how is that information like coming through to me? You know what I'm saying? And so I think that like, when I'm able to like filter it through that, through that lens, like I can, like, it just helps me process and like deal with whatever the issue is and just address the issue itself. um, And not anything that you might feel like is like hanging around in, in the atmosphere. But I think I learned a lot of this from my grandpa, who's like, one of my closest friends, I love him so much. And one of his advice to me has always been like, Faith, A, don't make assumptions for people and make up things that you think people are feeling or saying. Just don't do that because it's really going to be like bad if you do that. The other thing is he would say, allow people to be themselves because you want to be able to be yourself. So don't demand something of somebody else that you don't want them to like, you know, demand of you. And so... That's why I'm so, you know, open to differences and differences with people because I understand that we all have different perspectives and there's beauty in our differences. And um, and you lose so much beauty with uniformity. And I think that friendships that demand you to not be your full self aren't real friendships because I shouldn't. I don't think anybody should have to tiptoe about being who they are around anybody. I think you should feel free to present your full self in whatever manner that is. And I think that, you know, I try in friendships because I have friendships on like a variety of different scales of where people are in their life, Um, life, beliefs, politics, all the different things. And I, I think like I try to like keep all of those things in mind as I interact with each person and understand those dynamics and try to respect those dynamics while allowing that person to be fully themselves and me to be fully myself. And I think when you have that mutually in a friend, that's what makes friendship beautiful to me. Yeah, I think you said a lot of things I think are right. Like, I agree that I think that for me, one of the things I have had to learn is when there's conflict is we don't need to come to the same conclusion about conflict if that makes sense so like if we're having a difference of opinion or we see things differently like the idea of like i'm gonna respect that you like my mom always says other people's perception is their reality and i think sometimes we kind of get into like a circle with people and all kinds of disagreements where we feel like this will only be resolved if you come around and say i was right and you were wrong um so we kind of talked about this a little bit um before but i think about when friendships change particularly when a significant other if you're both single um but when a significant other kind of pops up whether that's a husband or first serious relationship for single women this definitely changes the dynamic of your friendship um do you want to just talk a little bit more about how you've had to navigate that with married friends and the change and what are some other changes that you've had to walk through with friendships and how you've done that i think i've had to navigate the changes in friendships when it comes to marriage 
and then the change in friendship when it comes to proximity. Yeah. Right. So I think those are like two different things. Um, so changes in friendship with marriage. I have to say that some of my closest friends, we've still made time to talk. Like one of my friends, we might do like a once a month, twice a month, like major update. Hey, how, how life is going. Um, we don't do a lot of phone talking, but if we do, it's every like once a month, once every two months maybe. And then like whether it's Voxer text kind of catch ups and that's been really great. And so we've just kind of adjusted in that way. And that that's a big adjustment from what we used to do, which was like try to see each other pretty often and meet up at coffee shops all the time or for sure see each other face to face, you know, things like that. And so I think that there's those dynamics. And then also I would say... um I think it just has to be like the priority of both people that, you know, you want to like maintain connection and conversation. So I would say communication wise, maybe it's like reduced, but when we catch up, we really catch up and each person is making a priority that at least once a month or something we need to talk sometimes twice a month, just depends on what our lives look like. And um, I think it's also been different for me on the other end because for them it's like you're career focused and you're busy and so some people don't reach out because they think you're just so busy you're not going to have time to talk and so I've had to make on my own effort make sure I'm making an effort as a friend and then also to say hey no I'm here like yes my life is full but that doesn't mean that I cannot talk and like have actual conversations about you know what we need to talk about or catch up so I think those are like small ways in which our friendship has changed um, over over time. But the great thing is a lot of them, their husbands are awesome. And so I know their husbands. And so we kind of have a friendship, you know, so it's kind of it. It's not like this, like complete separate thing where this is my friend over here and you feel torn. Like we can kind of mutually talk and I'm in group text with some of my friends and their husbands like and it's just kind of like how it is, you know. So I think that piece is, um, you know, one of the things that I've how I've seen things change and it's cool. Yeah, I think it's funny because I think, like, again, two of my best friends are married and the relationships are so different. Like one friend, her and her husband, we the three of us and their kids will do stuff together all the time when I'm with them. Like they were in town recently and we all went to dinner together. It wasn't like, OK, she's going to come to dinner with me and then he's going to be doing something else. It's like because we're friends, too. Like I consider him to be a really good friend um, as well. And so I love hanging out with him. Um, and like we've traveled together, we all studied abroad in um, Europe together. So I feel like I got to really know him really, really well. And so, in that situation, it is it is more like we are fr- we are friends together. And the other, um, we do a lot of stuff with just her and I. I mean, like I have done stuff with her husband, and it's actually been kind of interesting because I feel like I don't know him as well, but he is like the kindest we were doing something together oh another couple friends of ours was moving away and so we had like a um you know like a conversation where we're at this going away party and he said something to me about the impact i'd had on his wife's life and and he just started affirming me and like in my calling and ministry and things that he had learned from me and just our kind of you know, interactions together and like with our Bible study, kind of our larger Bible study group. And I just was really kind of taken aback because I was like, wow, like I, (laughs) we know, because we don't hang out. Like if my other friend's husband had said that, I wouldn't have been surprised because we spend a lot of time together and we don't. And so I think, yeah, the thing about both of those relationships though, is like feeling like even though they're married, like I'm still a priority not maybe the same level of priority, obviously, but still important enough that they are checking on me regularly and, like, yeah, that it means a lot. Like, 
oh, you're talking to your husband about me or, like, the things that we talk about in Bible study. And, like, that's how he, like, knows, you know, me or whatever. And so um, that's really important. I think the proximity thing... I feel like when you don't live in the same city, it, like, makes it a little bit easier when the friendship grows apart. When you do live in the same city and your lives just aren't proximate anymore um, for a whole host of reasons, that can be really challenging because it feels like I should be able to see you. Right. But I... Like, it just isn't working. And, like, I don't know. I haven't found a good way to work through that. Um, yeah. I, I feel like I really struggle. I really struggle with that. Um, but, but yeah, I think as your friends get married, I think that's a thing you have to... I mean, I think you just have to be upfront, And I think also, too, like, don't suffer in silence. If this is someone who's been really good friends with you for a long time yeah. and you feel like they're not prior- prioritizing you anymore and you feel like, though, they still value the friendship, I would say that. I would say, like, hey, like, recognize your life has changed. You have a husband or you've just had a baby, so you can't call me the way you used to. Um and I don't expect that, but like, hey, can you like, can we do a thing once a month where we set a time in the morning where we, you know, go get coffee when we can go get coffee again, depending on where you live. Um, and just to do to say that, because I think sometimes in friendship, I think clear communication sometimes is lacking. We, to your grandfather's point, we assume something is going on when it's not. Um, and, and I think it's important with our friends to like make it a priority to communicate how we're feeling yeah um yeah so as we're like closing our friendship conversation out um i think what are some ways that you're trying to be a better friend i think especially kind of in this season of covid19 that maybe has changed makes it a little bit more difficult even for the friends that are in atlanta that you could physically get together with um how are you staying connected i'm trying to communicate with my friends a little bit more like check in text um, the other day, like, there's some, I'm not always good at doing this for everybody, but there's some friends that I got um, some birthday gifts for, and it's friends that actually live in Atlanta, and I'm terrible at mailing things, so I'm going to mail them out, um, but just doing things like that, that maybe it's, like, not necessarily, like, my strong suit, like, where I would maybe just go and get a gift card and, like, an e-gift card and just send it because it's easy, but, like, actually trying to, like, take time to, like, get something do it send it snail mail because we're in such an interesting time right now and um i think it's just important to make space for that when you can and i don't do this all the time but it's just something i felt like i should do and um and really just trying to like check in on people and as people have been checking in on me which i think has been really great and just catch up and see people in a way you know i mean cuz i even think about like our friendship cuz you're you're in austin i'm in atlanta and like the bulk of our friendship has been like at a distance and like growing and learning each other from um a distance and not necessarily in close proximity because even when we lived in the same city we weren't close and we did not hang out we yeah. didn't really know each other in we that way friends i think it, like the week before you left austin for houston i think that was like i mean like yes. i think i met you and then you like moved to houston like a couple of weeks later yes exactly so so much of our friendship has been like okay like a trip here a trip there like meeting up here meeting up there and so i think like we've had to even like learn how to cultivate our friendship in a different way than um a lot of people have had to like cultivate friendships because we didn't start off like in the same like proximity and then like move on into like you know being in separate spaces um but i also think like it rings true of a good friendship because like even if um we haven't talked in a while like 
even before we started this, we talked for, to catch up for like, you know, an hour because we haven't talked to each other. Um, and um, even just like during the middle, I want to say maybe like the middle of June, I think you had texted me something like, I know there's a lot going on in your life right now. I just want to make sure you're doing okay. Like, you know, I, and I think those are like really healthy, like healthy things. And just it goes to like understanding and look back to what I'm saying about like understanding and learning a person to where you're able to actually cultivate these friendships because it takes work like if you think you want to be a good friend and you're not going to put work in then that's just really dumb and like (laughs) and if you think oh I can have a great relationship and put no effort like that's not real that means you're not a good friend and so um I think just simple things like that, like saying, hey, how are you doing actually doing? What are some things that you're, you know, are hard for you right now or that you're working through or just giving grace and space for people? Like, I think that's also really important, especially during this time that we're in um everybody is kind of thrown off kilter a little bit so i'm like creating like a little bit of space in my head and expectations of people and just knowing that everyone is probably not their best emotional selves at this point and that's okay and i think that we have to acknowledge that and we can't hold on to like the same um expectations that we had maybe five months ago because the reality is is everybody is like processing this time differently and I think a part of being a good friend is recognizing that this is affecting us all in unique ways and we don't understand the each facet of what that looks like yeah no I think that's really great yeah because I think like two a couple weeks ago maybe it was last week I don't know I'm losing track of the days you just like text me and we're like hey I know this is like a crazy time because you're planning to move and you have a lot going on but I just wanted to check in and see how you are um yeah and I think that like faith is right like the majority of our friendship we have lived in different cities but we have traveled together multiple times and I've like come to stay with you in Atlanta so you know, um, but yeah, I think one of the things I try to do or I'm working on is um, like being the initiator and checking on my friends because I think here's a lie that introverts tell themselves. And I think this pandemic, I think, has forced me to realize this. I think I kind of knew this a little bit before, but it has, I think, really brought it to the forefront of my mind is because it's like if you're an introverted person, you think, oh, OK, I prefer to be by myself and being quiet so the tendency could be to think that you don't need community and introverts need community just like everybody else it just looks different um and it just looks different than it does for extroverts and so i think for me like being intentional about reaching out to my friends and not being like oh okay well because i'm fine you know to assume that they're fine or whatever and so like trying Mm -hmm. to like trying to like send text messages or send cards i do really love writing letters and i have a lot a lot a lot of stationery that is like got my initials on it and so i try to send cards to people and friends and like um you know when people have birthdays or something significant happens in their life to send them a card or say like um you know congratulations i'm proud of you even if it's like a text or something um if i can't send something snail mail yeah so i think the big thing i'm trying to do in this i think how the pandemic has changed um is like trying is reminding me that i need to be intentional and not just wait for my friends (laughs) 
Hey everybody, if you didn't know, we have a Patreon account for Melanated Faith and we would love for you all to join and support our podcast. Now, I know so many people are asking for you to join and support, but if you love what you're listening to, you're vibing with our content, you enjoy hanging out with us and laughing with us, we would love your support. This is something that we do out of the goodness of our hearts because we love it so much, but we need your support to financially continue what we're doing. And we have some amazing tiers and levels that we offer for you guys to connect with us one-on-one, for us to talk to you monthly, and we would love for you to be a part of our community. So definitely visit our website where you can learn more about our Patreon and joining and becoming a part of the family. I'd like to thank this episode's Patreon sponsors. I'd love to thank Gina, Jessica, Anna, and Daphne. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon family and being a part of our community and helping make this episode happen. Well, y'all, it is time for our Go Off Sis segment. So if you um, are new to listening to our podcast, our Go Off Sis segment is a time where we talk to you about something that we're loving and something that is a mess. And we just give our perspectives on it. And so, Catherine, like, why don't you get started and let us know? Go Off Sis. Um, so my go off sis, um, my bless, I'm going to do a serious one and then kind of maybe a lighthearted one. Um, and then it's going to, maybe this will be a little bit of my mess as well. Um, so my bless is obviously, um, Congressman John Lewis and CT Vivian and Emma Sanders and Charles Evers, um, four giants of the civil rights movement who passed away recently. And I just thank them so much for everything that they gave our country, um, for their legacies of standing up for what's right, um, for being just like faithful Christians, um, who were living out their faith. Um, James talks about faith without works is dead. And, um, I just see in all of these, um, these legends, these ancestors now, um, just such a heart for freedom and justice. And so, um, I want to celebrate and honor them. And, um, if you have not, um, I would encourage everyone to try to find on YouTube clips from John Lewis's funeral, um, celebration of life service. It was just really beautiful. Um, Former President George W. Bush talked about, you know, how they had disagreements, but that they loved each other and they had such respect amongst each other and just um, what a testament to his life. And and then my kind of like lighthearted one, which Ken is also maybe a little bit of a mess, is... Um, Beyonce's Black is King. If you don't have Disney Plus, I'm sorry for you um, because it's like two gigantic things you've missed this summer. You've missed Hamilton and now you've missed Beyonce. Um, I've heard a lot of people, Christians in particular, like critiquing Black is King as if it's some like um, elevation of Black and Blackness above being a Christian um, or kind of denigrating her, including sort of traditional African religions um, in the the documentary. And I will just say this, I think as Christians, we need to get better about like chewing the meat and spitting out the fat, right? So like, obviously not everything that um, happens in pop culture and even some things that we learn in the church, like theologically, um, we get older and we're like, oh, that doesn't, that is 
not biblical. That was like the preference of my pastor and um, the leaders of my church. And so I can discard that. Um, And I think that's just a part of like growing up. And so I will say that first. But I also think, you know, that critique to me feels a little bit diminishing of what Beyonce was trying to accomplish with Black is King, because I think oftentimes Black people, the way we teach history in this country is that Black history, if it's even taught in schools, begins with slavery, not with Africa. Um, There's a very huge disconnect um, that is encouraged, um, I think, sometimes in American culture. And I think it with like sort of colonization of this like separation of Black communities, right? So it's like you're an American Black or you're Jamaican or you're Nigerian. Um, And I think one of the things that I thought she was trying to do is say like, for all of us, we come from this place, right? And the people here um, had language, they had culture, they had expertise, they were kings, they were queens. Um, and then because of a distortion of this idea of Imago Day and the image of God that, you know, in colonization, we were sold into slavery, but that's not who you are. And I think, um, you know, and if anything, that's like the message of the Lion King, right? Is like when he left and was having fun with Timon and Pumbaa, he was still the king of the Pride Lands. And so um, even if he did not feel that way, and it, it reminds me even of like Gideon, where it's like um, God calls Gideon a mighty warrior before he even does that, right? And so I think one of the things she's trying to do is say, like, no, like there's not one type of Black person and there's so much beauty, both in, you know, who we were before we were sold into slavery and enslaved in this country. But even now, I think even, you know, the common thing is like, you know, you know, that Africa is somehow lesser than European countries and it doesn't have culture and there's not beauty there in the modern. And I think so many times people go on mission trips and experiences to different countries in Africa and they think that, you know, they're there to bring some culture or civilization or they're there to bring Jesus. And the reality is in a lot of African countries, Jesus has already gone before you. He will be there long after you leave. They weren't waiting for, (laughs) they were not waiting for you to like arrive there to tell them about Jesus Christ. Um, Um, There are lots of African theologians that talk about contextualized African theology. And if you're into that, I highly encourage you to read. Um, One of my favorites is La Mansana. Um, And one of the things he uses is like kind of his his sort of organizing principle is that there is, even within traditional African religion, um, things that kind of point to Jesus Christ and God and the Trinity. And it reminds me a lot of like Paul when he goes to the Acropolis and he says, you guys are already worshiping an unknown God, but God is actually not unknown and here's who he is. Um, And so I would just, so my bless is like Beyonce Black is King is beautiful. It's visually stunning. I had to watch it multiple times to catch all the fashions. And um, I had to like, I'm such an old, I had to look up lyrics and genius lyrics. I completely agree with you, Catherine. Black is King was absolutely everything. And I think the other thing that I'm loving right now is the fact that Kamala Harris has been nominated um, to be vice president and run with Joe Biden. Um, I just the fact that a black woman is in that position. I know that many people probably feel different ways about her politically, and that's completely fine. But um, seeing a black woman in that position is so meaningful. And it just means a lot to see that we um, can get to those places of leadership and you can see yourself and someone else in that position. And it's very special. 
especially for me as a black woman, when I would look around and look for women in positions, um, leadership positions, even governmental positions, and you wouldn't always see yourself represented. So to see that in a vice president nomination is absolutely incredible and something that I am excited and cherishing. I think for sure, over the last couple of weeks, something that I've been reflecting on is the loss of C.T. Vivian and John Lewis and just their life. It's just so key and important. And I um, have been mourning, in a sense, the elders that we are losing um, in their leadership and just really pondering those things. And so sometimes it can feel a little gut-wrenching when you lose them, but I am just grateful that we had the time that we did with them and that we had them as leaders, especially leaders in the faith to follow. So those are my things for go off, sis. Oh, I have to tell you what my mess is. Okay, it's really simple. My mess is people who eat french fries with mayo. I mean, all I'm going to say, listen, if that's what you choose to do, no judgment, kind of, but I'm side-eyeing you, okay? I am side-eyeing you if you're eating mayo with your french fries. I do not understand the phenomenon. I really didn't understand that this was a thing, but apparently it is. And wow, I've learned something new. <laughs> so um, that's my go-off sis. And I'm just mostly happy to be back on the podcast and back for season two. Um, this is just so great. I just want to say one thing. If I can give one encouragement um, to Faith and to other people, I'm working on a piece right now where I'm having to go back and read a lot or portions of um, biographies of civil rights leaders. And it is crazy how much of the stuff that we're doing now they had to deal with then. I think you can either look at it one of two ways. Why are we still having to deal with this? Or I find it oddly comforting that people were calling John Lewis a Marxist (laughs) because he just wanted equality for black people. Or when you read about some of the internal um, like John Lewis was kicked out of leadership for the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, which is the civil rights organization that he helped found, because at a certain point they real they felt like he was not radical enough for the group. But again, he just found somewhere else to serve and got busy there. And so I don't know. If you're feeling that way, pick up his biography or um Taylor Branch has written three part series on Martin Luther King Jr.'s life. Um or I put, um, there's a book called Freedom's Teacher that's about September Clark, who did a lot of the, like, training and freedom schools and that. Um, and just see, like, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, it was interesting reading some of the critiques of Martin Luther King. And I was like, wait a second. I've been called that. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this means I'm legit. So, um, yeah, there was a lot. And I think also, too, maybe we're living through our version in the 1960s. If you wondered what you would do through the civil rights movement, this is your moment. This right now. Because there was a lot going on beyond civil rights. Vietnam, you know, uh, M- uh, Martin, Malcolm X, MLK, and Bobby Kennedy, and JFK were all assassinated in the 60s. I mean, there was just a lot of chaos in that time as well. Um, and yeah, so, that's a good point. So I find history very comforting. Some people it might agitate you because you're like, why are we still doing this again? So if you're that type of person, don't read it. But if you're a person that's just looking for some inspiration, there's some great... I find it very comforting. No, I'm gonna look into what you said because I need some I need I need some inspiration. Like we're gonna be all right. Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> we are gonna be all right. We're gonna be all right. God has got us. We are gonna be all right. 
Thank you all for joining us for this first episode back for Melanated Faith Season 2. We are so excited to be on this journey with you, and I know that you're going to love the content that we are going to deliver to you this season. See you next time. Bye.